0: Hello and welcome to Central's podcast. We pray your heart is touched through listening and that it helps you in your walk with Jesus. This message is from one of our pastors here at Central.
1: We have finished out a uh, series on prayer, but we're going to keep talking more on prayer. Kurt and I were praying, we've been talking, and we just feel we are not to move from the subject area. And I've borrowed this uh, object lesson here from Kurt from a, a sermon that he did a while ago. And it was about not moving away from the presence of the Lord. And it's like an umbrella. We've had a lot of rain recently this week, right? But like the Israelites, they did not move from the presence of the Lord. They had the pillar of fire and the cloud by day and the fire by night. And when that pillar moved, they went with it, right? So when there's the presence of the Lord, you want to be where the presence of God is. And the presence of the Lord is moving in our midst. And we do not want to be out from under it. We want to be under his presence, under his covering, under his anointing. And what we have seen in the last few weeks as we're talking about prayer and we're lifting up these needs, we are seeing breakthrough and we're going to keep pressing in. Does anybody want to keep pressing in to see miracles happen in this place? I want to say, you know, I closed the service with this, but I feel to, to set the service with this, that when the renovation started here in the sanctuary, um, Kurt and the kids called, and Adam, is he's like one of our kids, he like calls with all excitement. He's like, you got to get in here and come see what they're doing in the sanctuary. And I came in, there was so much dust, and they had already taken off, the front of the the the, the, um, the platform. And there was so much dust, and, and I came to the very front, and I stood here. And this building, this portion of the sanctuary on the campus was built in the 70s. And if you know the colors of the 70s, it was avocado green and orange and dark brown, right? And underneath here, where the concrete is now exposed, was the orange carpet right? The beautiful golden orange carpet. But my feet were like concrete as I stood here. And there was so much noise. The construction guys were in here and my kids were all, you know, goofballing around and Kurt and Adam were talking about everything. And I just felt like the, the room just closed off. And my feet were just like concrete. And I looked at that carpet And I thought about how many tears were poured out in prayer over that altar space. How many leaps for joy were in this place here at this altar space? How many answers were given in this altar space? How many hours of prayer were bathed in this place? And you know, we have created more room. And when you create more room for God, what's he going to do? He's going to move. You give him space, he's going to move. And we're creating space for the Lord. He's moving, and I want to be a part of it. Do you want to be a part of it? We are entitling this series, Scene Change. How many of you, when you go on vacation, you're thankful for the scenery around you is a different look, right? It's something different to look at. Even if you Move the furniture around in your house, it's new, right? It's fresh. And it's a scene change. I, I love, um, you know, at Christmas time when you have to move the furniture around and you put up new decorations, it just makes the house look good. But then when you take down the decorations, right, the house feels clean again and everything's tucked back in its space. It's a scene change. I want to give you a couple um, just personal scenarios of a scene change. Now, how many of you know when mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy? Okay, we're all on the same page with that. Now, Kurt and I just celebrated 20 years this past week. This was our anniversary week. And it was his birthday. We got married on his birthday. It makes it real easy for us, right? So it was 20 years. That's definitely a mile marker for us. And we still feel like we're newlyweds. I still feel like I got married yesterday. But in 20 years of marriage, I've said to him, you know, if I am, like, a little riled up about, you know, so dramatic about a situation, you know, like, you know, the, the end of the earth has come, just hug me. And I might grit my teeth, and I might not hug you back. And he's like, in these 20 years of marriage, he's like, no way, no way. You know, he, maybe he thinks I'm going to slug him in the arm or something. But over time, he's gotten used to the idea, and he's come up, and I just might be like, oh, I'm so irritated about this. And he'll just come over, and he'll wrap his arms around me and bear hug me. And what happens, right? We know even scientifically what happens is that firing in the brain about a hug, it just quiets everything in you. So he'll come over, and he'll hug me, and there's a scene change. I might not hug him back, but I'll just kind of melt, right? It just makes everything better. So another personal scenario was in our home, Our kids were really fighting. Did you ever have like a season where your kids are just at each other's throats and you don't know why, and you can take away toys and you can yell and scream, but nothing is changing, and it's just getting on your nerves, right? Everybody's at each other. So I had had it. I mean, I had had it. So I went to Scripture, and I gave each one of my kids a little bit of oil and a paper towel. I said, listen, mom's had it. You need to go in the house where you fight the most, go anoint it with oil, repent, and pray and ask God for some self-control. Now, this was not an overnight success. However, it brought about a scene change in our home. There's nothing magical or a potion about this oil, whether it's olive oil or vegetable oil, right? But when paired with the instruction of Scripture and coming in Jesus' name, there's power. There is power in this. We've seen people healed, delivered, changed. It's a scene change. There was a scene change in our home because we went to prayer. We know that prayer changes the scenery all around us. Prayer changes us. It changes the landscape of our hearts. Amen? One other story I wanted to tell you, just to kind of set the stage of today as we head to Scripture, is when I started out my first couple years of college, I was actually out west at an Assemblies of God school, and it was in Springfield, Missouri, 16 hours away from home. Another kid from our church was at a nearby Bible college in the same town. Well, he had a car and I didn't, and I loved coming home, and so any time that he was ready to come home, I was packed and ready to go one catch. He wanted me to help with the driving, because it was such a long trip. But his car was a stick shift, and I only knew how to drive an automatic. So, in getting in preparation to come home, I think our first trip home was for Thanksgiving. He was like, okay, come on, let's go out to a parking lot at Walmart or whatever, and I'll teach you how to drive a stick. Okay, well, I'm a great multitasker, but I could not pick up how to drive a stick shift. So, we figured this out. Now, parents, you're thinking, oh, gosh, you know, like me, I've got a girl going off to college here. So, you know, my parents were like, oh, my gosh, you did not learn how to drive this way. So this is how I learned how to drive a stick shift. We would get to a certain speed. I was in the driver's seat, and he would yell, clutch. I'd push down on that clutch, and he would, he would put it into gear. And then we'd get up to the higher speed, and he would, I, he would yell, clutch. And I'd hit that clutch, he would he would put it into gear. Till we got to the desired speed, I would cruise, and he would snooze. And then when it was time to get down to the lower speeds, I'd wake him up, and we'd clutch. Then we'd shift on down. Listen, God might be saying, clutch, to some of you, as the Holy Spirit wants to shift you into spiritual alignment. Are you ready for a shift or a move of the Spirit, a scene change in your life? When there is forward movement, it will require a shift. In order for a change, you have to be willing to move from one place to another. If you don't move with the Spirit, you will be stuck in the same place, grinding your gears, adding wear and tear to your life. Now somebody say that's good. Right? Who wants to stay the same? I'm not the same as I was 20 years ago, thank the Lord. Are you? And if you are, you should come to the altar now because none of us should still be the same when we are believers in Christ. Amen? He's changing us day by day, making us better. He is holy. He calls us to be holy as He is. So we have to be always forward moving. I don't want to be the same in the same place with the same mindsets, the same attitude or the same habits. I want to move and move in his spirit, move in the flow of who he is and where he is going. All right, so this morning, we're going to turn to scripture, talking about movers and shakers in the Bible who moved in the spirit. I implore you to grab a piece of paper and a pen in front of you, I'm not going to baby step you through the scriptures this morning. I'm going to give you their names and their references. Your homework this week is to identify, man, which one of these guys and gals in scripture who are praying with boldness and with fire, who do I want to pray like? And what they're praying for. Because maybe you'll find you have a situation just like them. And maybe your prayers can be a little bit shifted for the scene change like they had. And I also want to say this, from this point on in the service, the altars open. Maybe as you hear their story in scripture, you're like, yeah, I just need to go to prayer right now. You just come on down and pray. Just go off to one of the sides and begin to lift your requests to the Lord. We don't have to ever wait to pray. We serve a resurrected Christ where the veil was torn from the top to the bottom And he makes a way for us, Hebrews 4.16, to come boldly into his throne room, right? We don't have to tiptoe around his throne. We can come boldly. Hey, Jesus. Hey, listen, this is what I want to talk to you about today. Not, um, excuse me, um, um, Lord, um, Lord, excuse me. No, we come boldly into his throne room. It's where you link arms with him throughout the day and just talk with him all the day long. It's not, it, it is very important to have a designated time of prayer set aside for him. But he's your very best friend. You just talk to him all day. While you're washing the dishes, pumping gas, cutting the grass, on your drive to work, everywhere you go, you should be bumping into him. Oh, Lord, hey, listen to this. Hey, did you hear about this? I want to talk to you about that. It's this open door of communication with him. My prayers can produce a scene change. Let's take a look at our first reference in today's into the word today, and that is Abraham. I want to ask you, are you praying for a family member? Do you have a wayward family member, a family situation? Let's look at Abraham's request to the Lord. We're going to talk about Genesis 18. So Abraham is God's guy. They have a covenant amongst them. He's going to make Abraham the father of all nations. And here in this chapter, Abraham comes and visits I'm sorry, let's back up. God comes and visits with Abraham with a couple angels. This is called a Christophany, which we're gonna talk about in just a few seconds. But the Lord shows up on the scene. He tells Abraham, you're gonna have a son. Sarah laughs, ha, ha, ha. You can read about that a little bit, but it picks up in verse 16 in this chapter where Abraham overhears the Lord talking with the angels about the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham's ears perk up, He says, Sodom and Gomorrah, well, hey, I have a family member who lives there. That's my nephew, Lot. Some of you have been praying for your family members who need the Lord, and they're trapped in wickedness and destruction. The cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were just just ransacked with filth and sin. And Abraham was so bold to ask the Lord for such a major request He says, Lord, Lord, how can you destroy the city? Would you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if you found but just 50 righteous? Will you save the city? And the Lord says, yes, I will agree to that. Well, Abraham doesn't stop there. Like a reverse auctioneer, he goes, all right, all right, how about 45? And the Lord agrees. He drops the number down again and he says, all right, how about 40? And the Lord agrees. Well, Abraham, he says, okay, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. I, I have to ask again. He cuts the number in half from 40 to 20. He says, how about for 20? Will you save the city for 20? And the Lord agrees. And once more, Abraham pleads for the salvation of his family. How about 10? Oh, Lord, will you save the city for 10. And the Lord says yes. How many of you are praying for a family member, a wayward child, someone who needs to know the Lord? Will you see Abraham's prayer here? His persistence in prayer pays off. And this is called a Christophany where Christ appears in the Old Testament. There's only a very few. But what we see in these Christophanies is that we see the compassion of the Lord. It's paired with what we see in the New Testament when Jesus actually is on the scene. Jesus leads with compassion. It's what takes him to the cross. It's how he leads with his miracles. He feeds the 5,000 because he has compassion on them. They're hungry. He heals the blind and the deaf because he has compassion on them. He heals Jairus' daughter because he doesn't want her to be dead. He wants her to live. And because of the man's faith, he says, she will be well. When you pray for others with empathy and compassion, it stirs the Lord's heart and he answers. So go to the Lord and be persistent in prayer. Don't back down. Don't think that he's not listening. The scripture says in Psalms four and five times that the Lord inclines his ears to his children. He bends low to you. He hears you when you cry for him. Like a mother to a child, when a baby is crying, a mother doesn't ignore it. She goes to the nursery and she picks up her child. The Lord hears. When aligned with heaven, prayer postures our hearts and positions us for perfected outcomes. Simplify it. Prayer produces change. It produces a change. You know, we often think, we pray for X, Y, and Z. Yes, yes, prayer changes us, too. Prayer changes us. The next character prayed for more of God. Who wants more of God? I do. Moses, in Exodus 33, says the phrase, show me your glory. But it's after a conversation with the Lord, how Moses and God, they talked a lot. You know, God took him to the mountain. Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments, and they've talked a lot. And there was this place called the Tent of Meeting. And in this chapter, we see where Moses and God were meeting together. And Moses says, show me your glory. God was giving him instructions that it was time to go to the promised land, but he wasn't going to go with them. And Moses goes, wait a second, (laughs) wait a second, you went, you went with, uh, wait a, minute a second, wait a second. We've been in the, in, the, in the desert, and we had your pillar and your fire, your cloud, and now you're not going to go with us? How can we go without you? And even further still, show me your glory. I want more. I have seen it, but show me your glory. And God answers, I will show you, but not my face and he positions himself and shows Moses his back hey i'll take the back of god any day how about you but we serve the new testament the new covenant jesus the new testament god he gives us his the fullness of who he is the fullness of his glory displayed show me your glory does that resonate with your spirit show me your glory Whatever situation it is that you're praying, his glory can shine on it. This next situation, maybe you are in a long-term prayer, something that's been on your heart for many years. Let's take a look at the instance of Jericho. Anybody receive any marching orders from the Lord? This is in Joshua 5. So Joshua led the Israelites in one of the most amazing battles. They didn't have to fight at all. They seized the city of Jericho by marching around its walls. Now, pretty crazy, right? Now, if if your leader came to you, let's say Kurt came to you, and he says, hey, hey, guys, everybody go out to the store and buy some marching boots, and we're just going to march around Chartier's Houston a couple times, okay? We're just going to declare the glory of the Lord. How's that sound, okay? You'd be like, sure, Kurt, all right, no problem. But this is what Joshua said we're going to march around the city seven times. The first six times, we're just going to march. And they were praying, and they were marching. I mean, can you imagine the people of Jericho like yelling down, like, you guys are idiots, throwing maybe some rotten fruit at them, right? But on the seventh time, what happened on the seventh time? They took out their horns and blasted them And the earth began to tremble and the walls fell. I mean, I might think that the priests as they were walking were just as surprised as those in Jericho that it actually worked. Sometimes in prayer, we're just a little surprised when it comes to pass, right? But as they marched it out, the atmosphere changed. There was a scene change. That city wall fell and was obliterated and they won You know, maybe you're in lap four, five, or six in your march. Maybe you've been circling in prayer and you feel like you're at this point just marching circles around yourself. Lap seven is on its way. Keep marching. Take out your horn and declare who the Lord is, the King of Kings, over that situation and blow that horn and march it out. How many of you hold a really big schedule during the week? You work uh, 12, maybe you're in the, the, uh, the medical field or you work shifts, right? Well, let's talk about Joshua in a secondary situation. I love this story. This is a big prayer of mine. This is in Joshua 10. All right, Joshua is in another battle. But he asked God for something so magnificent. He needed more light to fight. All right, the Amorites are the battle in front of them. And more people gather with the Amorites, which makes the odds were stacked against Joshua and the Israelites. There was no way they could defeat the Amorites. No way. But when you have the Lord of hosts on your side, right, we win every time. Not only did the Lord tell Joshua he was going to win, but he also fired down hailstones from heaven. Pretty nice when you have the Lord on your side, right? Even still, Joshua took it one step further and said, hey, Lord, will you make the sun stand still so we know what we're doing and we have the light to see? The Lord honored his request. He made the sun stand still. The sun did, like, do you get it? The sun did not set on that day. The sun stayed in the sky, Because of one man's asking. Sometimes I'll say to the Lord, all right, Lord, you've called me to this day. You see the task list. You know all the things I need to accomplish. Make the sun stand still for me too, right? And at the end of the day, it all gets done because the Lord is good. The sun still sets, but but the things get done. The Lord is so good. I want to testify here. I just want to pause for a second. Sometimes many of you might know, some of you might not know, that I have had migraines most of my life. And I had one this entire last week for seven days strong. And the other part of it is that any time that I've had to speak, if I've had a speaking engagement or to preach, I've had a migraine. I've gone to the platform with a migraine the last four times I have not amen thank you lord jesus because the enemy will not rob me of my joy in my call so I've prayed all week you know lord like let the sun stand still on today like you've called me to it just let me walk through it but the the answer did not come well I'm here to testify today I don't have a migraine this morning so so praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So if you need more sunlight on your situation, be like Joshua, pray like Joshua. What if you need a miracle today? Anybody need a miracle this morning? We're going to look at Hannah's life. That's in 1st Samuel 1. She was a praying mom. She needed a miracle in her body. She needed a shift to happen, a scene change in her home. Then look to Hannah and how she prayed. You know, she came and she wept at the altar of God. And she received a word from the Lord. And when she received that word from the Lord, she did not stay there. She shifted into gear. She went home. Scripture says she wiped her face. She ate. She got down to business and then let the Lord do the rest. I love her story. Oftentimes we come to church or you come to a conference and you receive a word from the Lord. And then we just wait and we think that the Lord is just going to do it all. But oftentimes he's waiting for us to partner with him. There are only things that he can do, but there are things that we have to do to partner with him with that word. If you understand what I'm saying here, Hannah said she would have a son. That meant that she needed to partner with the Lord in that way. She needed to go home and get down to business, if you get what I'm saying. The Lord did the rest. The word of the Lord was answered as she partnered with him. She prayed, she wept, she received that word And that she had a son. That son anointed kings, and her son Samuel was given over to the Lord. And as he grew as a prophet, Scripture says that none of his words fell to the ground because of a mom who prayed. Do I have any praying moms here today? I will tell you just this week, um, I had the opportunity to go to a place that was important to our family on my mother's side. It was a place that was bathed in prayer and my mother watched her grandfather pray and I watched my grandmother pray and now my children watch my mother and father pray. My family has been steeped in prayer. It's it's a legacy of prayer. I'm so thankful for it. Prayer changes the landscape of your family. And if Hannah didn't go to the altar that day and pray, I wonder what would have stayed the same for her. Prayer changes things. How many of you want more boldness in your prayers? Let's look at Elijah. Man, Elijah wasn't a guy to mess around with. I love him. In 1 Kings 17, and then you can find some New Testament references there as well to write down, at his word, rain did not fall upon the land, and then later it comes. You'll see those both there in this passage. There's two chapters. So at his word, there's no rain. And then there's going to be a showdown on the mountaintop between his God and the God of Baal. Well, we know who wins, right? But they built two altars, one for our God and one for the God of Baal. Well, Elijah wanted to, you know, thicken the plot a little bit. So he says to his his workers, hey, we're going to make this tough. He says, why don't you get some water jugs? Water? It hasn't rained for a while, Elijah. What are you talking about? They had to walk for miles to go get these water jugs filled up. Bring them and douse the wood around the altar and whoever's altar would catch on fire first. Well, that was the most power for God. Well, our God reigns. Amen. He prayed with boldness. Lord, send fire from heaven upon the altar. And the Lord sent fire onto soaked wood and it lit. Amen. Now, our family has been trying to have a bonfire all week. Every time we put the, wo- the firewood out, it has rained this week. <laughs> Maybe we should try that. Lord, send fire on our soaked wood, just like Elijah. But Elijah had boldness. And in that very chapter in 18, then he begins to say, and oh, look, here comes the rain. And it was just a small cloud. At his word, there was no rain. And then there was rain. God partnered with his words. I love it. Are you, do you have enough boldness to go to the Lord like that? If you're in a battle this morning, let's look at Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. I think I have so many favorites in Scripture. They're all my favorite. How many of you are like that, right? You just can't pick one. They're all my favorite. I love this passage. Here they are in battle again, and King Jehoshaphat receives a word on how to go into battle. They are to pray, to fast, and to sing. Doesn't sound like a normal battle plan, does it? Not like sharpen your sword, get your boots on. No, we're going to pray, to fast, and to sing. Songs of deliverance over this army. The enemy was defeated. And my favorite part of the chapter is at the very end. And it says there was peace on the land. When the Lord fights your battles for you, there's peace on the land. When you go to him in prayer, there's peace. Kind of like when Kurt hugs me and I'm all, you know, riled up about something, then there's peace, right? Did you ever go to the Lord and you're just having just a terrible day and you just can't seem to get your, your thoughts about you? There's peace when you go to the Father, amen? There was peace on the land. If you're in a battle today There's peace for you. Just sing. Just sing. I love that chorus we were singing earlier today. Everything is changing now. Everything is changing now. The Spirit is among us. Miracles are breaking out. I told Pastor Adam, we were texting back and forth about some song choices for the set list. And I went, oh, I said, I have been singing that song earlier this spring pumping it up in my, my minivan going around town like I have a base system or something, you know? <laughs> Windows shaking. But I have been declaring that over our church. Everything is changing now. Miracles are breaking out. That's what I'm praying for you as a body. Everything is changing now. How many of you need wisdom? This is a prayer to look at. Daniel. Daniel 1.17 Daniel, if you look at his life, the whole book of Daniel is just a short little book, but you can take time to, to look at just the specific chapter in Daniel 1. His prayer life was noted among men and kings. I want a prayer life that is noted. I want people to say, man, when she prays, stuff happens. Things change, scenery changes, things shift. Do you want that to be said of your prayer life? When Daniel prayed, things changed. And in 117, it says that he had the understanding of visions and dreams of all kinds, 10 times better than others. So because of his wisdom, do you need wisdom? Because of his wisdom, he was able to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And because of that interpretation, it led him to have time with the king in his chamber interaction with those in government. It led him to have the notice of others, of his prayer life. And it was his prayer life that actually threw him into the fiery furnace, right? Because he wouldn't bow down to the idol. But we know that he was saved as well. Do you need wisdom? Ask God for the wisdom like Daniel had. Wisdom in prayer. Wisdom to interpret visions and dreams. Don't be afraid to have more of the Lord in that way. The last one we're going to look at is in the New Testament. These are movers and shakers that when they prayed, things changed. We're going to look at Peter in the new church. Because when we corporately pray as a church, we are unified and things can change together. So Peter, he was thrown into prison. But as the new church, these new believers were gathered together, they were at Mark's mother's home. They were praying for Peter's release. Did you ever pray for something and then when it happened, you're like actually surprised that it happens, right? Oh, Lord, I I really didn't think you were going to actually do it. Wow, this is amazing. He's like, why are you surprised? You asked me, right? So Peter's in prison. At Mark's mother's house, the new believers, the new church, are praying together for his release. Did you ever wonder how they were praying for his release? Lord, send one of us to to get the door open, or Lord, just let let the, the warden let him out. But that wasn't God's plan. God sent an angel, an angel to release Peter from prison. The angel said, get your shoes and your coat, And come on, let's go. He escorts Peter through the town straight to Mark's mother's house. Peter knocks on the door like, okay, I'm here. And a young girl named Rhoda opens the door, screams like, ah, it's Peter, and basically slams the door in his face to go tell the others, Peter's at the door. What we prayed for is here. When there's unity When we pray corporately, the scene will change, people. The scene will change. We've been praying on Monday mornings at 8.30 and at 6 o'clock on Wednesday night. How many of you have been joining us for that? Amen. And if you're able to come, come. It has been a powerful time of prayer. It has been powerful. Please come. Come. And if you have not been able to make it on Sunday mornings, you've been watching more online, come. There's something about being unified with the believers in one space. God has been moving and shifting. And in one of those sessions on a Wednesday night, one of our senior saints shared a vision that she had. It was Jesus moving around in her neighborhood. And over his arm, there were banners of cloth. And the cloth had words on them. And then she could see what the cloth said. They said, house of prayer. And she began to say, oh, Lord, do I qualify? Does my house qualify to be a house of prayer? Let me ask you that. Does your house qualify to be a house of prayer? If Jesus was walking through your neighborhood, would he stop and tack up house of prayer over your house? Do your neighbors know you of a house of prayer? Do they know that they can come to you? And then Jesus was walking more and he was coming by our church. And she said, oh, Lord, is our house, is this house, this church, a house of prayer? And he did. He put it up over our church. Remember, this place has been bathed in prayer. Let it still be a house of prayer. This weekly prayer time, the Lord is moving. And I can tell you, even during the week, if I have walked through the sanctuary, I can sense his presence in here in a deeper way. I I sense it. But the more time you spend with the Lord, the more you recognize him, right? The more you notice him. But come and join us for that. You know, earlier this year, I I shared a word with the church. and I'm just going to refresh it here. In the middle of the night, I heard a knocking, and I woke up wondering if there was someone at our door, and I looked to Kurt to see if it had awakened him, and he was completely silent. I even kind of like shifted a little bit to see if it would stir him, and he didn't stir. And I, I waited to see if I heard the knocking again, and I did not hear it. So I knew that I needed to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying? And the Lord began to speak. He began to say that he has a significant outpouring of his spirit for central if our people would ready themselves to receive it. He is knocking on our hearts to pour out his spirit In a greater way, if we are ready to receive it. Now, after I released that word in both services, two other people approached me to say that that very week they heard a series of three knockings that they awoken to and heard the same message of the Lord. I feel that that is a confirmation three knocks, one, two, three, and three people. So I feel, people, that this is something that the Lord is doing. He is stirring. And if we can find ourselves in a place of prayer on our knees and on our faces before him, awaiting what he has for us, as we are praying over the needs of our body, over our church family, he's going to answer them. Amen? I want you to just take a second. Over the people that you wrote down from scripture, Moses, Abraham, Elijah, Hannah, which one of those resonates to you? How do you want to pray more like one of them? What situation did they find themselves in and then the scene changed for them? My prayers can position me for a scene change. Prayer changes everything. His presence changes everything. You know, each one of these characters in their conversations with the Lord had a common thread. There was movement. There was movement on their behalf. Daniel went to his prayer window. The Israelites marched. Hannah got up and left the altar to go home. Peter obeyed and walked out of prison. Moses and Abraham wouldn't leave until they got what they asked for. There was persistence. Are you prepared for your part in your prayer time? You know, prayer produces passion in us. James 5 says that fervent prayer is effective and produces change. If you're fervent, You know what that means? Passionate intensity. Do you have a passionate intensity when you pray? Think about the believers gathered together who were waiting for the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two, the 120 in the upper room. It said that they were praying in one accord. It does not say that half of them were praying fervently passionate intensity, while the other ones were thinking about what they had to do at home. What was on their to-do list, their shopping list. They were all in one accord, passionate intensity. I want to provide time today to pray together, for you to come forward and pray at the altar. What's on your heart today? What need do you want to bring before the Father with passionate intensity? And if you don't have something specifically for yourself, will you come and pray more for the needs that are written here for our church body? And let's pray corporately together for one another. Maybe you're one that says, you know, I I don't, I don't like to go forward to the altar. The altar is a place of surrender. Old Testament, New Testament, now it's a place of surrender. We have to get rid of pride and just come to the Lord. I'm telling you, I remember um, even in my own lifetime, it's just that step of faith, getting out. And some of you are nodding your head, just coming out of the pew and coming down. There's just a place of surrender. It's just the end of myself, the end of my pride, and just come, I come to you, Lord. Join me this morning, will you come? Even before the first note is sung, will you just come? Lord, I bring you my need. I come like Moses, show me your glory. I come like Abraham and I plead for my kid. I come because I need a miracle. I come and I pray for those who have written these requests. I come, Lord, I come, Lord, because I know you're able. I need a scene change. Jesus, when you come, you are the atmosphere shifter. You change things in my life, and I need you to do it for me now today. Lord, I stand in awe of who you are, and I know you will do it today. And I come with passionate intensity. Lord, I don't want to be moved from your presence, Lord. I want to be under the umbrella of what you're doing. I want to be under your anointing. I want to be under your power. I want to be under your presence, Lord Jesus, and what you're doing. Father God, just do something great. Just do something great. I want to shift. I want to scene change. I don't want to be the same, Father. Do something great in me. Do something great in this church. I come with boldness, Father, into your throne room. I don't tiptoe around, Father. I'm coming this morning with great intensity and passion of my heart to tell you what's on my heart today. I thank you that you incline your ear to your children. You listen when I call and you answer me. I thank you, Lord, you hear me and you are working all things out for my good even if it's delayed I will still trust you I operate in knowing that even in the mystery Lord that you are still good and I trust you father I trust you father
0: walking around these walls I thought by now But you have never
1: Has he failed you? Has he failed you? No. So we're gonna sing that bridge. I want you to sing it with all of your heart. I want the roof blown off this place, right? We're gonna, we're gonna sing it with every fiber that we have, with every fiber that we have. Whatever you've carried to the altar today, you're just gonna lay it down, set it here, like Hannah, and then you're gonna walk out and believe that he's working on it, right? I've seen you move, Lord. I've seen you do it before. You're gonna do it again. I've watched you do it a million times. Why wouldn't you do it now? So we're gonna sing this with all of your heart. Believe it. When you speak it out, you believe it. You're trampling on the devil's plans. His weapons might form, but they won't prosper, right? So you're declaring, yes, Lord, I come into agreement with what you're doing in my life, my family, this church to say, yes, Lord. Do it again. Come on. that your promises stand they are yes and amen we can lean on you we will not fall because you do not falter Lord you do not forsake us we can trust you we can come to you like Moses and say show me your glory and in this week Lord I believe that there will be people who will testify that they saw your glory in situations Lord there can be people that can say I was on lap 7 and the walls fell this week Father, I, can, I believe that there will be people who will say, I got my miracle this week. Like Hannah, I got my miracle. There will be people who ha- will have release, like Peter had release from prison. People who have been bound. Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, that these references that we've, we've looked at from your word would stir our faith to pray for the scene changes that we desire in our heart, in our lives. But we know, Father, that prayer not only changes things, it changes us. Change us, O God. In the presence of the Almighty, change us. Father, bless your people as they go forth today. Bless them in your power and in your presence and in your might. Bless them with your peace today. Bless them, Lord Jesus. Bless them, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and go visit centralconnect.org for more information and media.